Hey, it's Zach. This week on At The 55. This week on At The 55, the do better is your intros. Hey. They're always so boring. Let me talk for once. Also, it was pass interference. Roll the tape. This is Justice Allen, running back number four for McMaster. It's Eric Sarzella, starting left tackle for the Guelph Griffins. Dylan Giffen, left tackle of the Western Mustangs. And you're listening to At The 55. At The 55. At the 55. Stay tuned. Best OUA podcast. All right, we'll start off like we always do with the who's back of the week. Dakota, who is your who's back for the 8th Cup? My who's back for the 8th Cup week and my who's back for a while is going to be OUA parody. Parody in the league with McMaster knocking off the powerhouse that is Western. The Purple Rain is over. We're going to see a lot more uh, equal play going on. I don't think any undefeated teams are going to happen. Obviously, I'd love it if U of T would undefeat <laughs> next year, but we'll, we'll we'll be happy with a with a six and two season. But yeah, my my who's back is going to be OUA parity yeah, parity throughout the league. Hundred percent, and and definitely based on sort of where a lot of these teams are leaving off. Uh, at this point, with the season coming to a close, I definitely agree. We'll have to follow the recruiting game. It's obviously been ramping up a lot in the last couple weeks. So it's part of our off-season content. Definitely something we'll keep our eyes on to see which teams are making a big splash in in, in that field. So I 100% agree uh, with you there. And I, I'm, all, I'm completely here for it. My who's back, I'm going to go a little more specific. I'm going to give the shout-out to Mr. Josh Cumber of the McMaster Marauders. We talked about him a lot early in this season as a true freshman, picked up three interceptions in the first two weeks, I believe. And that was, we kind of didn't hear all that much from him thereafter. Maybe it was just that people learned real quick, don't throw to Cumber Island. Maybe not, but we talked about him a little bit last week when he didn't make an appearance on the all-rookie team, uh, which definitely caught our eyes alongside the the, the lack the appearance or lack thereof of of Barney as well. But Cumber stepped up huge in this game. Two uh, pass breakups, an interception, which I know you want to dive into a little later as to whether that was fair or foul, and just a huge game. And you could see and and on the broadcast rewatching it after the fact because we were there. You could see Marshall Ferguson on the call really picking up on how Western was really going after him. Uh, but we'll get into all that later. But for now, big shout to Josh Cumber uh, making a statement after, as we said, not being put on that all-rookie team. So with that being said, let's jump into the action of this Yates Cup. Final score in this game, the McMaster Marauders 29, the Western Mustangs 15. The game was in London. Dakota, you and I were there, along with a lot of your uh, former Western brethren and, and and former teammates and it was always it's always fun being at these Yates Cup games because you get a lot of the alumni coming out and just celebrating in some great football you know regardless of the outcome it's always good to be able to just enjoy and just celebrate and revel in you know in great Canadian uh in great Canadian football and a great Canadian tradition that being the Yates Cup uh we'll get into all the details off the jump first impressions from this game uh, they, they completely ignored what I said they needed to do to win the game. They took my keys to success and threw them out the window and said, we'll do it our way, which I respect. But <laughs> if you had listened to our last week's episode, I said, you know, they need to shut out Western in the first drive and then, you know, force some turnovers, go down, score quick. And they said, no, 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 we're good. In our first four drives, we're going to turn the ball over three times. <laughs> uh, and I'll and I'll admit it, I was quick to jump the gun and say, this game's done in a sense where... 
you can't go up against Western. Well, they did, but go up against Western and, and turn the ball over three times in one quarter and expect to come out with a win. And I think what Mac did better than anything else is that they played a really solid three quarters from there on out. Yeah. Well, and despite those turnovers, and you know, I was there right with you when all that happened. And you're like, this is, and we're literally like, this is the worst way you can start this game. You're on the road. You're in London. You're in TD Stadium. All this is going down. Then when that first quarter ends and you realize that it's only 10 nothing, in a way that has to give you almost like a bit of confidence if, if you're Mac, a shot in the arm where it, you realize that it literally we can't play worse. We can't play worse than how we start this game off and we're only down yeah, 10 points. It, it could have been 20 nothing after the first four drives, you know? Uh, a quick, sorry, a, a fumble on the first play of the game. Yeah. Quick three and out, fumble on like the third play of the game and then an interception down near the other end zone. It could have easily been twenty eight nothing. So yeah, that's. I think the biggest thing is we'll get into the the statistics and the the nitty gritty. But McMaster's defense stayed solid throughout the entire game, and at no point am I going to say it, it came down to the the injury for Chris Merchant. But seeing you know your your leader, the guy who runs your offense, go down and then have Kevin John, who's a solid quarterback, has a very strong arm. But you could see that Greg Marshall started calling far less you know, complicated plays because he maybe he didn't have confidence, maybe they didn't rep it enough, but it completely changed the way Western ran their offense and already coming from behind at that point, it was kind of game over. And, you know, that that's a, that's a really good point you bring up in the fact that when that happened, they were already playing from behind a little bit where you not only now have to rely on a backup, albeit, like you said, a very talented one in Kevin John, but having to rely on him that much and you obviously for for western you have likes of you know trey humes and femi cole and merchant when he's healthy being able to contribute on on the uh, on the ground with the run game but when you're playing from behind you have to definitely turn to that pass a little bit more so it's just i mean i i don't think you know i Based on the way things were going, McMaster's defense was playing so good this game and playing so aggressively. And I think the fact that they were playing with a lead for a lot of this game definitely allowed them to just say, let's let's let it rip. Freaking throw back to the Beyblades, let it rip and just get <laughs> after it. Um, but that's, you know, like we like I was just saying, that's doubly as effective when you know that you have a team that's having to alter maybe alter their game plan or even if they want to stick with the original game plan you know that deep down if you're on that team whether as a player or coach or anywhere in between whatever that you just know that it's just this obviously is a huge uh moment of adversity that you have to overcome and western has the talent that if going into this game that it merchant had we, if we knew he wasn't going to play, then I don't doubt that they could have put up a better performance offensively with, with John at the helm. I, I think what we saw is a bit of a product of, you know, that McMaster defense with that swagger that we saw really build as they saw that, wow, this is this is a huge loss for for Western, more so than just the talent, but also just, as you mentioned, uh, Merchant as a leader, as someone who he's... He, he was just awarded the OUA MVP. I mean, having to deal with it in that moment it must have been just such a shock to the system and a shock that they couldn't have rebounded from. Not, I think, as a, a, a lack of talent. I, th- I think it had more to do with, with, with just the shock of it because McMaster, I, I think, could have, from how they played, I think they could have taken them down 
Western full strength. Yeah, I'm not saying that the win was, you know, with an asterisk beside it by any means. Uh, McMaster deserved to win that game. I, I think it was just a huge momentum where they came in, they started off awful. Let's be real. McMaster knows they started off fucking piss poor on offense. It was yeah. horrible. Um, but then, okay, we held them to 10 points on three turnovers. Okay, now we're starting to score points. Okay, now we're stopping them on the on the pass game. Okay, now Chris is down. It's They've already got so much momentum, and now they have the lead. It was just one thing after another that McMaster said, well, we're not going to give this up. This mm. is now our game to lose. As going in, it's we had to play perfect game. We have to, you know, it's going to be a tight, fought, hard-fought game with Western. And then when they got that lead, they said, we're not letting go, and we're just going to ride this out until we win. And that's what they did. Yeah. And, you know, even in those moments in the first quarter where McMaster was turning the ball over and things weren't going that well, you could still see that their, that their offense did look like it had... I won't necessarily say that the offense looked like they were in rhythm because obviously it was a very sporadic series of drives ending with turnovers or punts for those first five or so drives. But moments where, you know, Duke's connecting with his receivers and, you know, a a tough start for Justice, but they end up going with the fifth year, the senior Jordan Lyons, who was definitely a a huge factor for them in in getting the the ground game going. But you could see moments within those turnovers, within those, those plays of that first quarter that, their offense was moving well. And then the second quarter, I think, as we've kind of said, once they had that second to just breathe and be like, okay, it's over. We're only down 10. Let's move forward. They just kept with that recipe. And, you know, Duick winning the MVP for the game. Not, you know, astonishing numbers. 18 for 25, 243. No passing touchdowns. One interception coming early in the game. But, you know, he just... It, it was McMa- it was McMaster's offense, sort of as we've seen it all year long. Not any crazy big shots downfield necessarily. Spreading it out, the multitude of receivers, which makes it so difficult for a defense to try and adjust to. And it's just such a handful to have to deal with. Um, on top of all the other things going on, so I, I definitely agree. I, I mean, I'm not going to put an asterisk next to this one. No, not at all. Well, and per, for me personally, as a, as a uh, you know someone who was on that. 15 team that beat Western Sans Will Finch. If I put an asterisk on this one, I probably have to put an asterisk on that one, and I'm not going to go with it. So that actually leads me into something I wanted to speak about this episode. Um, Looking back, we've done a whole bunch of, as this is the the end of the decade, um, a whole bunch of top players of the decade, top teams of the decade. Looking back on it, there hasn't been a starting Western quarterback that has been able to finish his season. Not season, sorry. Finish his career at Western healthy in this decade. Yeah. Yeah. Folds torn ACL. Donnie Marshall went down early to be replaced by Will Finch. Will Finch ended his career early to be replaced by Stevenson Bone, who played for a couple games and then was replaced by Chris Merchant, who ended his career early on an injury. And I think that it's just kind of not, not funny... Um, to to say, but I mean, fascinating. F- yeah, fascinating, and also in the sense where I was weird. I was talking with Eddie in, in the group chat where you don't think that Western is a, like a run heavy quarterback. Obviously, Chris Merchant more so, but their quarterbacks are notorious for running. If there's if there's nothing else there, more so than I'd feel like any other team other than like Trey Ford and stuff like that. Yeah, and because they have some of the best O line, so it's not attributed to sacks or anything like that. Um. 
but it's just it's just interesting to look at and also seen as how obviously Chris Merchant it didn't look like anything crazy serious uh, at least from what I've been told but McMaster is now taking out Chris Merchant and Will Finch yeah do you like do you read anything into that like I mean I mean aside from the fact that like you said western quarterbacks over the years have not been afraid to make an impact with their legs and they do so incredibly well and Nick Masters defense over the years has just been one of the top in the OUA so when you combine those two things I guess the likelihood of that occurring is perhaps increased but to your point about specifically about Merchant it's once again, not funny in the haha funny sense, but just sort of interesting to think about where all year long and probably every single game and every single podcast we did this year, I mentioned it because almost every single game this year, there was a moment where Merchant escaped the pocket, gained, you know, had his big games running the ball, but when he goes into contact, he doesn't slide. And I, I, I kept. All year, I just, I, it, it, I, this isn't my I told you so moment because as you pointed out, this wasn't a situation where he was running out of the pocket and just didn't slide, took the hit, and it all went sideways uh, as a result. Um, in fact, actually rewatching it uh, yesterday, they were mentioning that the ankle was originally hurt the week prior when they yeah. played Waterloo, right? So it's, it's almost just the, the attrition of, of it all, this game of football that we all love and that we've you know played and, and and had all these great experiences with, we know that it's 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 rarely that one thing. It's all the you know we talk about the injuries that we still have to this day, right? That didn't, none of that just happened. That was over all these years, and so it's it's unfortunate, obviously, for so many reasons. A for, for his career to end in this way, the same way that you mentioned, Marshall Finch and and Falls all followed suit. Um, but it, it is interesting to think about with uh, with the way he played all year, and you just it got to a point where for me watching him, it's like this hey, this guy's this is an Iron Man. This, this yeah. is tough as nails, you know, West Coast kid. He's but you know, so it's 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 unfortunate to see it happen. McMaster also now has three wins this year. Again, nothing to take away from McMaster. I just want to point out because it's it's interesting sets three wins this year where the starting quarterback has not finished the game. And I'm not counting uh, Merchant as finishing this game because he's in for two handoffs. Ottawa, York, Western. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we'll throw an asterisk. I'm kidding. <laughs> we're not going to throw an asterisk on this. No, no. Well, Second thing here, yeah. um, Duick obviously leading his team to a win. Um, did a little bit, did a little bit of you think that uh, Matt Crayson might win MVP? <laughs> Two rushes for two yards and two touchdowns. You gotta love the numbers. Plus he, him along with that's just efficient. That's just efficient running. And he got the co Gatorade dump along with Justice. You know you gotta give the man props for being uh, taking initiative in that. But you know t- sticking with McMaster's defense because I, I you know rewatching this game, this was such an incredible effort that they put out. Um, and having gone up against, albeit obviously different personnel and different coaching. For McMaster's defense, they are, as an offensive lineman, they give you headaches because they bring guys from all over the field, every single position. They hide, they time things up, they'll stunt their defensive lineman, they'll get a little, actually, they'll, they'll get very nasty at times up front. And it just, it's such a headache to, to try and go up against. And we kind of mentioned this 
after the semifinal game when they took out Guelph, where their defense looked amazing in that game. And so good, so much so that while Guelph's defense, which I, I'll stick with, was the best all regular season. The whole defense or the front seven? The Oh, pardon me, the, the, the front seven. Okay. Um, that McMaster was so good that it almost, it just, Guelph just paled in comparison based on how well they looked. And I kind of brought this up that maybe for McMaster there was a little bit of, you know, all these talking heads or whomever on Twitter keep saying that Guelph is the best defense or best front seven, however you want to quantify it. But, you know, for McMaster, maybe they thought that was a little disrespect. They go out and they, you know, put the beat down on Guelph with their defense. And then we see going into this game, the OUA All-Star Awards come out and we see Western getting the nod with four of the first team OUA uh, offensive linemen and not to say those aren't rightfully deserved and I, you know, I'm not going to say that there's guys on Mac that should have had the nod over them nothing like that but you have an offensive line that has four of the f- four first team all-stars and it's another opportunity for that Mac gets to go out there as a defense and say like alright let's 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 beat you down here's next next man up next challenge whatever it is it seems like McMaster's loves stepping up in the moment already talked about Cumber stepping up in the moment for for such a young player but it was just interesting thinking about that given well like we said with the awards coming out how heralded this offense is on top of the fact that behind those four uh, all-stars plus the, the the fifth to make their offensive line you have the MVP of the whole league so just another chance for them to be able to say you know what we we're going to dictate how things go we, our defense is is problematic for anyone. I don't care who you are. Yeah, and they definitely show that. I mean, six sacks yeah. against the the arguably the best O line in the Ontario. Or it has if, to. Well, it if, has to be. Yeah, like. if if not the country, and also one of those sacks being an, a, a true force safety, not one of those punter kneel downs. You know, yeah. catching Chris Merchant in the end zone. I I think McMaster. Yeah, they came out and they showed that they are the best defense or one of the best defenses in the OUA, and I think. Arguably now going next week into Calgary could prove that they're one of the best in the country. Um, we, but I think you know we said it throughout the entire season that that defensive line mixed the linebacking core and not even touching on the secondary that is dangerous in their own right. Um, they put fear into offense, and that even OUA All Stars and OUA MVPs have to show them true respect. And not saying that Western didn't, but McMaster came in there, knew what they wanted to do, and just. I want to say from start to finish dominated Western, but obviously not from start to finish. From yeah. the fifth drive. We'll call it the fifth drive for McMaster to, yeah. to the last one. Um, they just they dominated on, on all sides. And you touched on their secondary, and we mentioned Cumber, and you know, Nolan Putt had a hell of a game as well. Two breakups, just you know, running with the receivers on every single play. Um, who Hallett has the interception at the end of the game, and uh, as we're kind of joking, does the uh, the Russell Crowe from Gladiator, Are You Not Entertained, pulls the helmet off right in front of the McMaster uh, cohort of fans that made the way up, arms raised in the air as the game was thoroughly sealed uh, by that point. But once again, going to show that for a team like Western, where when you're playing behind for most of this game, and you know you're going to have to pass, and it, w- there was a definite wind advantage going one way, uh, I, I don't know my cardinal directions well at TD Stadium, but you know clearly that northwest. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. So clearly going northwest. 
was the ideal uh, passing. Uh, well, I don't think any points were scored in the other end zone. Oh, really? Including including field goals. Yeah, oh. for sure, all points were scored in the in the north end zone. True, true. But with clearly with wind being a factor, yeah, no, hundred um, percent. You know, huge performance by that secondary. Um, so one thing I, w- I wanted to touch on because we talked about this um, while we were there is that as we've already talked about the decade coming to an end and you know looking back on the as you brought up the quarterbacks that have played for Western over the years. Um, but as we were sitting there watching, and I think it was probably early fourth quarter or maybe late third, this thought kind of dawned on me where it, I think it was starting to really sink in for people that, oh, like Max going to win this. Like, regard- yeah, there was time left on the clock, but they were just out playing Western. They just had all the swag. They had all the energy. And we kind of had this quick discussion of, so if Mac wins this, is there an argument to be made that McMaster gets the nod for team OUA team of the decade? I mean, the obvious, the first thought, like if you were to just think who was the best team from the 2010s in the OUA Western, and they very well might be, but I think that like Mac definitely has a really good, really good argument there. If they're not number one, they're definitely two. A hundred percent. I mean, if you're ever going to say, is there an argument to be made? I'll, I'll be first in line, no matter <laughs> no matter what it may be. Uh, I know you got a lot of t- stats to pull out there, but I'm going to quickly say, you know, close, but no cigar. It's going to Western, but I'll, I'll let you get into the, the details of it. <laughs> well, I, you know, I put this, it's funny because it, maybe it was just getting caught in the moment of like, ooh, maybe this is like a hot take and maybe there's actually some evidence to back it up. And there definitely is evidence. But when I broke it down, went year by year record and playoff success and all that, it's, you know, I'll, I'll repeat your sentiments. It's close, but no cigar. On the one hand, we'll talk about the McMaster Marauders decade. Regular season total, they went 62 and 18. Phenomenal. No season, no no season where they were even five hundred. One or pardon me, two eight no seasons. Oh no, my apologies. One eight no season. They finish f- four and zero oh in Yates Cups appearances. Make it to three Vanniers. Go one and two. Phenomenal for any team in any conference. You'll take that in a decade. So once again, sixty two and eighteen. Four Yates Cups. Four victories. One and two in the Vanier. Turning to Western though, over the decade. They go seventy-two and eight, so yeah. ten extra wins over a like that sixty-two mark is great. That's a, that's a whole season and a Yates. That's a whole season and Yates. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, eight appearances in the Yates. They go they go four and four in those. Which, but yes, oh yeah, all eight were home field advantage, which I think is important to say. So like they did so well in those seasons that all of those Yates yeah. were in Western and. On that point too, we were joking earlier and looking at the the Yates Cup, the Wikipedia Yates Cup page, in that the photo of the Yates Cup is a photo. Well, it's been in, it's been there for eight out of the, eight out of the it, ten years. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So it should have been five Yates. We're not talking about the Laurier one, but it should have been, been five Yates. So yeah, hey, come on, Western, you can't get a winning record in your Yates Cups from the the past decade. That's come on now. Um, Western's Yates Cup record is better than half the into, <laughs> half the OUA. They've been to more Yates Cups this past decade than most teams have probably won. Or, yeah. Anyways, uh, and then one and one in the Vanniers. So one and two. 
One and two. Paul, yeah, yeah. Um, I hate to throw shade on us, but I have to be honest. We're one and two. Um, wait, what was the... We lost Laval last year. Yeah, and then they beat... Oh, one and one. I think yeah. it's one in one. Oh, yeah, Sorry, no, no, yeah, one yeah. and one, yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you break it down like that, it's... You know, we were kind of joking that maybe you could make, like, the LeBron James type of argument where it's like... I guess for Western, yeah, you go percentage to percentage wise in the finals. Yeah, like for Western, you go to eight, which is amazing. You go to eight finals, you host eight finals, but you only won half of them. Versus Mac, you only go to four, and then you win four. You got to get there, though. You got to be good he, enough to get to the show. Yeah. So once again, it was a, a fun thought experiment. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to make the argument for Mac or any other team, if you want to tell me why York's the team of the decade, <laughs> um, any other team, <laughs> look, we'll say it like this. I think McMaster and Western Mac, you get all the bragging rights this year, 100. Uh, percent Any other school, you're not even allowed to talk for the last 10 years. Laurier, you know, you can you can say whatever you want about that comeback win, and congrats. And obviously, Guelph has a win in there too. But I mean, any other team. Let's be real. Um, Western and Mac are are the top teams in, in the last ten years. But here's one other point to it. Yeah. If McMaster goes and wins a Vanier this year, mm. does that bump it up? Because now they have four Yates, two Vanniers. Yeah. Well, we're kind of jumping the shark on this proclamation right now, saying that Western's better. Duick, I know you listen, so you go out there and win a Vanier, be, prove that McMaster is the best team of the decade. You know, a, f- a fun thing for, for Mac going into the U Sports playoffs is that, you know, while we were a little confused with the way the conferences lined up uh, in thinking that it would be uh, OUA versus RSEQ in the first, in the, in the, in the uh, Vanier semis, the way it's set up now, we have a potential. Uh, the, we have the the potential for a rematch from the 2014 Vanier Cup, where McMaster lost to Montreal, and I think it was a last second field goal. I think it was like 20 to 19 was the final. So, to your point, obviously, and we talked about this going into the eights in terms of you know what gets people going for a game and the incentives and all that. And if you need any reason to be hyped up for a Vanier, you know you're you're doing something wrong. But they're gonna if it does come to fruition that we get a rematch of Montreal and McMaster in the Vanier for uh, the Marauders. You get that added bit of well, this is the team that knocked us out five years ago, and obviously none of the players would have been on that team. And I guess it would have still. I think it would have still been. It would have been fantastic. But anyways, I'm going off the rails there. But very interesting point. If they do win that Vanier, perhaps we'll have to revisit and take another look at at. at uh, at the math for for team of the decade there, um, but like we said, if you want to make an argument for Mac or, or any other team, uh, by all means, uh, feel free to, to do Save so. Save your breath. It's either Mac or it's Western. There's yeah. no other team. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll post that on we'll post that on the gram. We'll get the 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 you know the players' votes and everyone who follows us uh, to give us their take on that. Um, but I, you know the, the game pretty much yeah is Max defense balled out. Western scrambling to try and figure out how they could respond after Merchant went down, and you know, what's your take on uh, on ultim- ultimately what looked like um, Marshall just making the decision to say I'm going to go with uh, a healthy Kevin John, or I'm, I'm assuming he was you know close to if not fully healthy versus continue with a hobbled Merchant. 
because we saw it towards the end of the first. You know, he goes down. John comes in for a few snaps. Like I think it was one series. Then Merchant's back, and he takes another bad hit, and he goes down. So I did, like I didn't have the feel. It didn't necessarily have the feel of like he couldn't continue by any means. I I do think I had a little bit of. You know, having to talk him down because if you're a merchant, for sure, like well, merchant's a competitor. Merchant's not going to want to come out of a game. Why would he? But so much of of merchant's game, uh, as much as he's a great quarterback, is his mobility. And without his mobility, it kind of limits what he's able to do. He can't extend plays in the pocket. He can't take that ball and go. Um, if it's one play, then yeah, you know, he can go and chuck it deep. But yeah. for him to stay in the game, it doesn't really make much sense. I think. Marshall's maybe looking at okay, can we get him coming back in the second half? Can we get him, you know, iced up? Maybe, you know, we we all know they kind of do some stuff in the second half with some pain meds and all that stuff. But um, I think at that point he's just like, it's not even worth it. We're just gonna bust your leg off and and Merchant, who you know has already been drafted and well, not drafted but signed by the Montreal Alouettes, has the potential to go out there and be a practice roster. There's no point in ruining his career and I think Marshall saw that being like we're you can't actually help us more than it's going to harm you so let's give Kevin John this chance and he has an arm he knows the offense he's been here four or five years it's not like he's a first year freshman who knows nothing let's yeah. see what he can do and hope the rest of our offense and defense can help us win a game obviously it didn't happen but I think it just didn't make any sense to to have Merch yeah, finish that game. He all finished the game, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so so as a coach, you're like okay, like you're okay with that decision. You go it's, with the. It sucks, obviously. No, 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 but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the this year, you know, I coached my quarterback broke his ankle in like the semifinals or something like that, and it and it absolutely sucks. And you know, it's it's just next man up though. Next man up. That's that's all football really is is next man up. That's why you know most teams have numbers and no names on it. It's because next has got to go up and do something. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, shout out to I think number seventy five on Western, seemingly the only player on that team without a, the, a name. The, the O lineman. So Western said uh, you only get a name on O line if you're an OUA All Star. Oh, so, so he was guy. the fifth man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, you know, actually, last thing I I don't know if we talked about this uh, at any point on, on Saturday. What was your take on the crowd, or just the atmosphere in general there? Um. It was good. It was it was really heavily sided on the Mac side, um, and that may have been because we were foolish enough to follow some of my friends into the Mac <laughs> side of things to start it. You know, even the beer tent was a lot more Mac people. Um, also, just the same way that the Mac team rode the momentum to win the game, the the crowd was crazy loud for Mac. Um, you know, love love the parental support. A lot of you know annoying parents in some cases where I'm not going to get into it um, <laughs> but you know there was a couple drunken disorderlies from the Mac side you know one guy holding up a broken Christian yeah. Merchant sign wasn't a huge fan of that no I didn't like that um, his friend though pulled him away from a bunch of western guys because that was going to turn into something but no the the western crowd was was fairly silent and I think it just they gave nothing to the team not saying that you know it's a huge part, but teams feed off that, you know, loudness and momentum, and it seemed like it seemed like a Mac crowd to me. It's yeah. the loudest away crowd that I've seen going to. I think I've been to like nine or ten games this season. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree as far as uh, Max showing out for um, for their team, but I was a little I don't know I, I was a little underwhelmed. Maybe I just. I had this big expectation going in of like we got Mac, we got Western, you know it's gonna be a raucous affair, and I, I don't know I kind of feel like there's probably like I mean 100 percent like homecomings there's like more more people better atmosphere and uh, I guess I get the homecoming has its own sort of connotation for students and, and things like that. I just wish they were able to, and I'm not to say this is Western's fault, but I wish they were able to have gotten more people out there. You know, you can see on the, on the film of it, there's a lot of just empty spots of just seats and in the stands. And we were talking about whether the far stands were going to be opened up and definitely given how, how many people showed up, there wasn't a chance in heck that they would have opened up the opposite uh, stands for that. So I, I guess I was just being a bit, you know, romantic going in of the notion of, oh man, it's going to be a packed house and it's going to be wild and they're going to be, you know, all they're going to be using hand signals because they're not going to be able to hear these things on the field. And, you know, it, maybe it's my own fault for getting hyped about it. <laughs> the one thing I'll, I'll talk about that and is just for my, you know, little bit of experience here. Um, Western fills the house when it's really student involved. So homecoming and the O week, the you know the first couple of days that people are coming to campus, the the stands are absolutely packed and loud and rambunctious. But that game, it didn't seem like there were a lot of parents. It seemed like a lot of local fans and alumni. Whereas McMaster was parents, friends, family. Like they were there to be loud because. They had traveled to the game where London people were like, "Oh, the game's here. Maybe we'll go to the game." Right. You know, less of. I don't know what the writers were, but like less reason to be loud and crazy. Where obviously we went as an alumni, as an alumni there, you know, met up with some of my old friends, and we were ready to go. I was I was jarring with some of the people when we were sitting in the max section, especially with those three turnovers. Um, but yeah, the rest of the crowd really wasn't in. And McMaster had very very well packed their side of things in terms of of standings you know we lost our seat going to grab one beer so um no western fans didn't really bring it yeah well sticking with western as we did with the other teams that were eliminated throughout this playoff run leading up with western season coming to an end just a moment to give a little uh tip of the cap to some of the players in their fifth year or perhaps some of the fourth year guys who uh their status for the following year is a bit unknown. Uh, so starting with the fifth-year guys, uh, we got Andrew Thurston, Mackenzie uh, Ferguson. Who, I mean, obviously he was—he wasn't really on the team this year to start with. Man, lot, lots of big stories. Obviously, some stuff we we won't talk about. But man, great story for him coming back for his Masters. You know, kind of being Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah. No, coming back for his Masters, mm-hmm. not McMaster. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? No, no, I'm not, but I'm saying we're talking about... Yeah, Ferguson. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, coming back for his, his Masters, um, being kind of done with football, then the injuries obviously that happened, I think him doing what all of us would do one year after football, being like, I'm done. And then someone's yeah. like, hey, you sure you're done? You're like, no, I'll come back and play. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I got called back to play, I, there'd be two thoughts in my head. One, why I'm out of shape? Why is there no one left? And two, also, yes, how quickly can I get there? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, big, big shout out to him. Um, I'll let you continue with the list, but a lot of great guys being done this year for Western, which is 
sad. And those guys include obviously Chris Merchant, who we talked about. Um, that's actually the, the only the three fifth year guys uh, according to their roster. There, moving in to some of the fourth year guys, uh, you have Tony Rossi on the D line, Malik Bessinger at receiver, defensive lineman Spencer Hood, uh, offensive lineman Dylan Giffen, who I think is a fair guess to say that he well maybe maybe whoever he gets drafted by will send him back. Yeah, I was gonna say there is a chance he'll come back, but just with his size and his ability. I think that he can just go in and, and start playing in the CFL, uh, as we've seen so many Western O-linemen do, um, likes of David Brown, obviously, a yep. um, little bit of injuries there. But if he can stay healthy and go in and learn that offense, he's going to be a, a top couple round draft pick. He's solid on the O-line, got the size, got the ability. There's no reason why he should come back. But obviously, if he gets sent back down, he's he's going to come and play. But no, I he. I think he's just going to go. He's probably a lot. I think he's just going to go to the league. One thing I didn't, that's not there, maybe he's further up on the list, is uh, Cole Majeros, uh fifth, sixth year person. He's He played when I was still at Western, like, <laughs> and not even in my final kind of years. He's been a, a true Western guy, used up all his years of eligibility. Uh, great, great player. The, you know, the sh- if you're seeing him out there, he's returning punts, short, stocky, I'd say about five foot eight, maybe 200 pounds of muscle taking all the hits um so i don't know if he's on that list but he's definitely deserves a a big shout out for his contribution to the western teams over the last couple of years and big shout out to hobbs here for causing a ruckus uh again uh <laughs> some of the other fourth year guys on the list we have antonio valvano uh jonathan femi cole linebacker chris ellis blessed Kambamba, brett ellerman mark legs legio uh, oh, yeah, there we see Cole there. He's also uh, a fourth year. Trey Humes. And, yeah, that wraps up for the fourth year guys. So, you know. I would ex- I would expect to see the likes of possibly Bleska coming back, Brett coming back. Yeah. Um, but they will be in the talks definitely for not necessarily potentially CFL drafts, but I would be shocked to see if, if Brett and Bleska didn't get um, at least signed. Yeah. After the the draft process was done, if not drafted, or with Legio. Well, I was gonna say Le- Legio. He he might come back just in the sense where CFL rotates through kickers so much. Yeah. Where they might just say, "Look, we're not gonna draft you, but the, the league is wide open for you right now. So go back to Western, similar to the way that you know Zach did. Go back to Western, and then he's now with Toronto. Obviously, their season is done, but no, I have absolutely no doubt that Mark Leo is going to be in the league. Yeah. With, you know, Western puts out kickers, Zach Medeiros, Liram Harlaru, Mark Leggio. I like that you just speed through Liam Harlaru. So just like... Look, I know how to say it, but I don't know how to say it fast. Look, Liam Harlaru. Now who I saw on Twitter, unfortunately had to wear a McMaster sweater to congratulate McMaster. Obviously lost a locker room bet as... Many of us have been a part of yeah. in the past. Yeah, yeah I believe I uh, dyed my hair purple as a result of. Uh, Did you really last year? Are yeah, there pictures of that. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's not the oh, it's not the most like. Why is that on your bio per- picture? Good call. Yeah, I guess we'll switch up to that. But anyways, that's pretty much I get. I would say our wrap for the Yates Cup. Um, for it Mc- wasn't Ma- pass interference. <laughs> pass interference. Uh, shout out to to the Cumbers. Um, but yeah, for McMaster, they move on. They get to go on the plane ride out to Calgary to take on the Dinos in the Vanier Cup semifinal. 
for them hoping to set up the rematch from 2014 in the Vanier against the University of Montreal. Bro, it's going to be so cold. It's going to be so cold. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, sorry to go on a, on a side <laughs> tangent here, but that was the one thing. I don't know if it was to you or it was to Blake when I was sitting there. And I was like, there's so much of of when I watch football or when I think about football that I miss playing it. And then when I sit outside in the cold for cold days, and maybe it's different for linemen, I don't miss it one bit. Like, in that kind of temperature, even to like three degrees, catching footballs hurt. Yeah. And now it's negative eight, negative ten. I don't envy anyone that, you know, isn't a linebacker. Linebackers are going to love it. They're just going to hit people as hard as they want. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, this is the worst weather for football. People that say this is football weather are stupid and wrong. <laughs> football should be played in Texas or in a dome Summer nice and warm in August. No, you the see, CFL does it right for the first start of the season. Season should run from June until end of August. No, but you see, this is why, like deep down, I knew Mac was gonna win as soon as the players took the field. Because if you looked at at least the offensive linemen, five for five across the board for Mac, no sleeves. Western, I think they were all sleeved up. That's 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 a no. That's that's a no no in my books. It's so cold, man. It, it is cold, but you know what? You, you throw slap a little Vaseline on your arms, you won't feel a thing. And you can't do that if you ever get the ball, though. You're gonna fumble it. I don't care about you, you skinny guys, man. <laughs> Put some weight on. It'll help insulate yourself from the cold. Uh, but with that being said, that'll wrap up our coverage of the Yates. So with that being said, let's move on. Okay, so now just taking a quick look at the U Sports semifinal matchups. Obviously. For our purposes here, being an OUA podcast, the interest is in the Mitchell Bowl, which is going to be taking place in Calgary when the Marauders go out to take on the Dinos on the other side of the bracket, or however you want to uh, envision it. We have the UTEC Bowl, where we're going to have the Montreal Caravan take on the Acadia Axemen. I, actually, I'm not sure if that one's out east or if that one's in Quebec. I think it's I think that one's probably out east because I think the year before because I guess this is how they're doing it now I guess they're doing the two matchups because last year we had Saskatchewan come to play Western this year Max going out to Calgary and I'm pretty sure last year Laval went or the east representative came to Laval and so my assumption is that Max probably heading in the road for this one either way we have the Caravan taking on the Axemen. I think it's pretty safe bet that most people, ourselves included, are probably going to go with Montreal in that matchup. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. Um, the matchup in the uh, Mitchell Bowl, little different. And uh, Dakota, I know you, like myself, don't have that big a read on, on the out-of-conference teams or anything like that. But for the Dinos, I'd say the, the two biggest things of note, we have, on the one hand, Pat Sheehan, former coach for... The Queen's Golden Gales for you know, seemingly forever, who went out there after being released by Queen's last year to take over the role that his son Ryan left in taking the head coaching job at Guelph. Um, that role uh, that he left being, of course, offensive coordinator and the quarterback that he has the pleasure of coaching up, Pat Sheehan, that is, is, of course, Adam Sanagra, who's had such a phenomenal career there in Calgary. So, Definitely going to be a handful for McMaster takedown, but with the way this defense has been playing, you know we've talked about different. You know we've talked about the way that teams play coming out of bye weeks and things like that, and we always say that defense is generally consistent. So even though they're getting on a plane and they're going across the whole dang country to take on the uh, the Dinos, 
you know, that defense, you can be pretty, pretty certain they're going to come out playing for them. 100% before I jump into my matchup, just a note on the, the Sheen factor. Hardy, Yates, and, and Loney. He's all three. Oh, for Pat? Yeah. Yeah. He is all three now, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, next stop to... La Belle Province to pick up the uh, Coupe de Dunsmore. I'm not even going to touch that accent, but yeah. Um, no, I think just the way that the, I've watched a couple games for Calgary this year, um, solid offense, um, but their defense also lets in a lot of points as well. So I think, especially with the weather here, if McMaster defense can come in hot like they've been, um, it's definitely going to be a great game. You know, maybe a 32-27 going either way. Um, but I have McMaster taking this one um, to go into the Vanier and potentially get that rematch and beat out Montreal. Yeah, I like it. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, uh, I'll play for the, re- I'll, I'll put my vote in for the, the Vanier rematch as well. And also just to, you know, boost the, the OUA, you know, obviously if we get the OUA team in the, in the Vanier cup, I mean, I don't, we're probably not making that road trip, but at least the I'll possibility. Be, I'll be, I'll be in Detroit. I'm not even going to pretend <laughs> that I'm going to be there. I'll be in Detroit that weekend. Well, um, I'll, I'll pretend I'll be there. You that's know, great. <laughs> um, so I think the mailbag uh, is a little dry this week. Double check real quick. It, it is, at least unless something has come in. There is one thing I do want to note that, you know, we talked about before this, um, the podcast started. Laurier doing something that we don't see from a lot of teams. Mm. Um, and no, it's not losing by 18 points. <laughs> it's There is the rule where teams are allowed to practice until the U Sports football is done. So Laurier, who didn't even make the playoffs, has apparently been practicing with their team throughout this entire playoff series, um, which is, and I'm not saying, oh my God, it's a game changer, and they're going to come out and, you know, lose win, it, win, points next time. <laughs> win, win it all next year, but just to show that they're not, you know, they're, they're ready to go. The team, the players are committed. Um, they they're not happy with how that season ended. I'd love to you know we'll 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 get their take on it during our off season tour, um, but just it, it just shows the next level of dedication. With that also being said, um, as sad as it was, or yeah, I guess was for me when the football season ended, it's kind of nice to not do football, man. Like once you're out, yeah, it's kind of nice to sit there for a couple weeks, give yourself even like that couple months before January comes and then coach calls. All right, it's winter off season training camp. Um, so good, good for them. I guess they'll have they'll have two more weeks of it if they're gonna do it. But I don't, man. I'm when football is done, and I knew that it wasn't the end of my career. I'm like, All right, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go enjoy myself right oh, now. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, all the more credit given that it's the end of the semester is coming on pretty pretty strong. So as 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 nice as it is just having that break from football, it also times up nicely because you know that, okay, I should probably start, you know, giving a crap about school at this time of the semester. So the fact that they're still going strong with the practices. Still full uppers, full shoulders, full helmets, outdoors. Gro- outdoors. Do they have a field house in Laurier? Outdoors. Like, Alright, that's that's ridiculous to me, but but big up, big up, Solorier. No, no, for sure, hundred percent. Give, I'll definitely tip my cap for them, to, to them for, for uh, you know, staying strong with with the effort. Um, and uh, well, you know, speaking of playing outdoors, if you're McMaster, you better get ready for I'm, what I'm certain is going to be some terrible weather. And we've had some brutal weather here in, in Toronto, and I'm sure the rest of Southern Ontario the last few days. I'm 
gonna go ahead and assume without even checking the weather, it's probably worse out west right now. Whoa, 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 whoa! What the heck? It's gonna be seven degrees on Saturday in Calgary. What? All right. Throw everything out the window. What is it? July? Like when is that's the only time I ever get Se- seven degrees in Calgary. Eleven on the Sunday. Big Master's gonna have some nice weather. <laughs> oh boy, this is ridiculous. It was like two degrees in London. That's, that's that garbage. was a week ago. Oh man, um, it's negative nine right now in Toronto. Oh, that's brutal. Fuck you Calgary. <laughs> uh, we actually have some West Coast listeners, so we we do love you, Calgary. Um, but yeah, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for us here. Um, moving forward into the with the rest of the U Sports playoffs coming up, it's. Seems like we probably won't do an episode next week. Wait, is this it? This might be it. Are we done? It's Are you se- breaking up with me? It's, well, hmm. If, if Mac advances to the Vanier, maybe we'll do a full just U-Sports playoff wrap. Maybe we'll get uh, our insider, uh, Eddie Meredith, in here, or at least get his notes and uh, his news and notes on, on everything that we should be hitting on as far as the other conferences go and how these two games uh, progress but it has been a hell of a ride getting to this point alone from where we started to where we are finishing up now it's been an excellent excellent year Um, thank you to everyone who participated whether in the conversations on twitter through instagram whether liking posts or just contributing onto any polls or any of the content that we've been putting out to all the players that gave us you know time to chat or interview after games to any fans uh shout out to your man at uft who did the tailgate i'm, I'm spacing on his name uh at the moment or to you know the guys in waterloo uh, adam mcguire jack moore who have just been consistent in terms of the engagement with all the great storylines and all the amazing things that have been going on throughout this season thank you so much you're what makes this so much fun to cover and so much fun to follow um of course the road doesn't literally end here as we'll see who advances to the vanier cup will it be mcmaster will it be calgary and will they be taking on the caravan or will they be taking on the axemen you won't find that out next week at the 55 but we'll be back for you soon and we'll have all your oua content here at the 55